Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on the Pilgrims' defeat to Cheltenham Town at the weekend are Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi, Chat. Good morning. Good morning to you. Is this two weeks in a row we've all been together now? It is, yeah. We're making a habit of this, aren't we? Well, we're making a habit of it and um, yes. unfortunately we seem to be uh, covering the same old topics because yes. it seems to be a case of uh, deja vu really at, with Argyle at the moment. The performance on Saturday sounds very similar to previous ones. Yeah, you're right, aren't you? Um, it's a story of not being able to take their chances and poor defending, particularly when it comes to crosses uh, into their own penalty area. Uh, it's the story of the first 10 league games of the season. Clearly going to need to improve. Just touching on both of those aspects. Uh, the attacking play, as, as Ryan Lowe says, is, is good up until the final end product. Uh, and you look at the stats... Stats can you can sometimes make stats prove whatever you want them to, but I think it's a fairly what telling one. This one is that Argyle have had fifty goal attempts in the last three games. So that's the one 0 defeat at Port Vale, the two two draw at Crawley, and the two 0 home defeat by Cheltenham. Fifty goal attempts. They've had eighteen on target, which is clearly nowhere near enough. I don't think they're working the goalkeeper enough. And out of those fifty goal attempts, they've had two goals, both by a right wing back against Crawley now I don't need to tell you two or any of the listeners that is not good enough that is not going to win you games clearly not Um, so you can have as much possession as you want you can have as many goal attempts as you want but you have to put the ball in the back of there and then defensively Jack I mean I seem to spend all of my time writing about how Argyle have just conceded a goal from a cross I mean crazy isn't it it was happening last year under Derek Adams I remember you know obviously he wasn't playing the fullback system but I remember it must have been this time last year you know we were saying well, you've got to stop the crosses you get into the box and it's certainly proven to be the case again this year and there's no getting away from the fact that to not be marking men in that sort of territory is unforgivable isn't it and I think Ryan there will definitely not be happy with that it was a great cross you know it was, but the point is he shouldn't have been left unmarked obviously Josh Grant and Williamson have come in and you're sort of hoping that things might improve in that way, but they're still letting in really cheap goals, and it is frustrating to watch. And, you know, Chris has been to the away games recently. I've not, so I feel for Chris. Like, like you said, it's, it's deja vu, and something's got to change. And you just hope that with, with a bit more time and a bit more work, you just sort of hope that things will improve. I mean, they've got two weeks now in a row mm. with no midweek match. Yeah. So it's been a hectic start, and I do sometimes wonder how much prep work you can do during the course of a week, particularly when you're on... You know, two away games like Argyle had at yeah. Port Vale last yeah. Saturday and then Crawley. You know, how much on Tuesday, how much work are you actually going to be able to do when you're doing all that travelling and, and bits and pieces? But um, so maybe two clear weeks will help. But Noel Canavan has, has gone out of the team because, you know, of goals being conceded from set pieces. You, you bring back Will Anderson, who I thought had a good game mm-hmm. on Saturday. I, I've, I would say that I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him so far. It's a small sample size. But he looks like the type of imposing centre-half to play in the middle of the, the three centre-backs um, that could do a could do a really good job. I, I'm encouraged by him. And also in the attacking area in the two games, mm. the two last games, you know, he's looked being that piece that we sort of missed maybe since Sonny Bradley yeah. left as well. So he, he looks good. But to be playing with three central defenders and to be conceding so many goals from crosses into the penalty area is... 
you know, I think the thing that surprised me so much about that goal on Saturday was the space that Luke Varney had. Mm-hmm. But know, that, that, was, that was poor defending, but clever, clever play from him as well. Um, I mean, Luke Varney, former Premier League striker, as Ryan Lowe mentioned in the press conference afterwards. And that's why he played at the top level, because they, players who have played at that level have got that intelligence, that brain, that understanding of the game. And instead of just sort of waiting for the cross to come into the box, you, you, you see the replay... And one minute Josh Grant looks and he's there and Varney's there and he's probably thinking, yeah, I've got this under control. But all that Luke Varney does, like any good striker, he just peels away, creates a bit of space. And the next minute he's got, what, a yard or two free space and he's, he's not going to miss a, a free header from, from that range. And you've just got to be more aware of the, the, the people around you. You've got to stop the cross as well. You know, there's too many... The, the cross, I mean, Sean Long had all day pick out who he wanted mm. to for that cross. There was no one closing him down. Um, is, is that one of the drawbacks of the wing-backs, Jack, that you haven't got a full-back there to, to, to try, you know, if because if, um, Chelton played with wing-backs as well, yeah. so their wing-back got really well forward and there was no one there to stop the cross coming in. Is that an issue? I think the difference for me, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is it, we always know an, a Ryan Lowe team's going to concede goals. That's part of the attacking football he plays. And if you're scoring your chances, maybe it won't harm you as much if you can see one or two soft goals. But the difference was, I think Cheltenham were much better at getting those crosses into the box. And I know Ryan Lowe doesn't like crosses necessarily, but there were so many times where Sarsovic um, and, a, and a whole host of players had a chance to, to cross the box into a good position. And it almost looked like they weren't looking where the players were. They, were, and they, they always get to pick the wrong option. Whereas on that occasion the right option was picked and Varney was there to head it home and that's what Argyle aren't doing in the attacking sense and that's what's frustrating me mm. um, they are making chances and again it came it came last week it was the opposite way around where Mayer made the run did a good cross and there wasn't someone in the box to, to fit it in those two pieces aren't gelling well together and if they do and you start scoring more goals it'll take the pressure off the defence maybe one sloppy goal in a game won't cost you as much but at the moment it is but, but, but yeah you've got to stop the crosses coming in and when you don't the players, the centre back should be marking their men, and that's really unexcusable. I think mm. it's it's stuff that they're just going to have to work on and work on and work on. I mean, you've got this group of players until January, um, so you can't make any further additions, and you're just going to have to work hard on the training ground, defending crosses, and make sure that people are uh, aware of the responsibilities and what they should be doing. But for all of saying that, when you get into an actual game situation, it's different from training, and you are going to get the Luke Varneys of his world who are going to do something that you might not expect and you've got to be able to react to that and um, you know it's it's not just it was Josh Grant on Saturday but let's be honest it's been virtually all the other defenders all season so it's not a case of picking out one person collectively that Argyle defensive unit have got to defend crosses better Mm. it's just you know costing them and then you know, if they're winning games three two, we we wouldn't be talking about it as much. But because they're, you know, finishing is letting them down. I mean, Scott Flinders, you know, made some saves in that game. I, I wouldn't have thought he made too many, you know, outstanding. They were good saves, weren't they, Jack? But they weren't outstanding saves. They're not working the keeper. Even when they get shots on target, I don't think they're working the keeper enough. That being said, I did think Cheltenham's defence was very good at blocking shots. I think they made quite a whole host of blocks and. And Argo did create a lot of chances, and there were, a lot of them were, were were blocked before they get into the keeper. So I, mm. I'm still feeling very optimistic. I I really am because of the amount of chances they're creating. At some point, they surely things are going to click into place, and I mm. hope that that's just not blind optimism. I like to think I'm quite logical. And when you mention the amount of chances they've created, that's surely that signs of encouragement. Mm. And you just hope 
and we'll touch on injuries in a bit, if they can stop getting these injuries and, you know, perhaps Ryan Lowe can actually pick his first choice team, which I'd, has he been able to do that yet? Possibly no. not. No, probably not. So if, if all these little things click into place, I hope things will change. <laughs> and I'm still smiling at the moment, so hopefully I, uh, things will turn and I can carry on smiling. But I told, I said to Stu before this podcast, I still enjoyed the game on Saturday. It was a fun game to watch. Yes, incredibly frustrating at the end, but I had a good time. I enjoyed it and it is more enjoyable, but you can't keep not getting the results. It won't be, it won't be enjoyable if it carries no, on going exactly. like that. That's the problem. No. At no. some point in time, you, you need to get results. Because yeah. people <clears throat> say that they want to see entertaining football and we enjoy watching attacking football and this, that and the other. But people, fans will not enjoy seeing too many more outcomes like that on mm. Saturday. Um, mm. At some point, you have to start putting some wins on the board. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Michael Duff, the Cheltenham manager, was the latest to come out on Saturday and say, you know, oh, I've got a fantastic team. Mm. It is going to click at some point. No, I, can't, I think it will click at some point as well because I can't believe Argyle are going to keep missing these chances. But you mm. made a really good point before we came on air, Chris, that I had to stop you in your tracks for because you were... <laughs> save it well, for the podcast. Yeah, save it for the podcast. <laughs> well, the, there is the argument that, that, that Argyle will kick, kick into place if they get, can clear, stay clear of injuries and the players can get a bit of confidence and they maybe get a win or two. And, and yeah, there is that. But the way they're conceding those goals... That's poor defending. It's a recurring theme, isn't it? It's a it? recurring theme. It's mm. lots of goals being conceded from crosses into the penalty area. Now, is that bad luck? Is that something that's just going to suddenly click into place that they're going to stop conceding those goals? Or is it just that it's really poor defending? And are those defenders going to be up to the job? Now, I hope they are. Of course I do. But they haven't proved to anyone this season that they are capable of defending crosses on a reliable basis. And until they do... I'm not convinced that you can just say, oh, it'll click into place at some point. You know, and it's the same with, with going forward as well. You know, they're, they're playing well. I mean, that Danny Meyer, I thought, had an excellent game on Saturday. I mean, he definitely didn't deserve to end on a 2-0 defeat. Um, the, the attacking play, the chances he had. Um, so I, I would perhaps excuse him from, from this as well. But, you know, the rest of the team, you've got to take your chances. You've got to hit the target. When you're in a good position, hit the target. Don't put it wide. You're never going to score if you put it wide. Um, but again, is that going to click into place? Or is that just people that aren't good enough at finishing? Um, 10 league games in, you know, managers always say, I'll, I'll look at the table after 10 league games. I won't decide anything until, until 10 league games in. Well, we're 10 games in, and our goal... And Ryan knows not hidden away from it are not good enough are not ruthless enough as he says in both boxes and that's true um, so well it's interesting isn't it because you look at the, the defence and it is very much the defence bar Will Ainsen, of course and, mm. and Grant who's coming on loan mm. but it's still the same defenders that Argyle had last year when they conceded as many goals as they did mm. and then when you look in attack mm. Ryan, uh, Ryan Taylor's coming off the bench and he's scored what one goal two goals in the last 18 months that, that was it for me I, I, I don't want to sound harsh I, I'm, I'm not being particularly harsh because Ryan Taylor's had, had this good time but when Don Telford had to come off yeah. I sort of sensed that things might point. not go our goals way because yeah. I don't think Ryan Taylor fits into the system particularly well he's and not I a low striker is he? he's not fast enough there were a few occasions where there was a loose ball and he, if he'd just been a little bit quicker he might have got onto it whereas you think if Telford was still on he would have won that ball and driven forward and gone towards goal and created a chance and Ryan Taylor's got a role to play in, in, the, in the game. I'm just not convinced he fits Ryan Lowe's team. He ends up becoming very deep and almost like an extra midfielder at times. He holds the ball up. I, 
when Telford came off, that was for me the turning point, and unfortunately, it just didn't really work. And that is that is a concern for me. I, and if Telford keeps getting these knocks, and Moore keeps getting these knocks, and Rudden's now gone back, it's very it's all of a sudden it's very Fredbear up front, and that is a concern because Ryan Taylor's not been the same since he had his injuries. Of course, he scored a couple of goals in succession earlier in the season, but. I don't think anyone is convinced he's going to get a load of goals this season and that's what you're asking now who up front is going to fill that sort of Maynard position in the, in the Berry team and mm. at the moment I'm not sure there is someone no uh, it's, it's difficult up front I mean I, I feel sorry for Dom Telford because when he's played he's looked sharp and mobile and nippy and looks like he could score goals there was one bit of play just before he went off on Saturday where he got the ball on the halfway line and made a fantastic spin, left the Cheltenham defender trailing in his way, mm. made a good driving run, worked the ball onto his left foot, probably forced Flinders into about his best save of the afternoon. Um, and he thought, yeah, that's really good. And he's got the, he's got the team going forward, he's lifted the fans, um, sharp, nippy, mobile. And then a few minutes later, he's down on the ground, he's off with, uh, sounds like a hamstring injury whether it's a recurrence of one he had before or a different one not quite sure but you know that's the second time this season that he's had to go off in a game because of a hamstring problem you know so how long is that going to keep him out for and you know you bring on Ryan Taylor who's a completely different player completely different style and yeah I'd agree with Jack you just felt that the the momentum that Argyle were building up in that first half because they were you know getting on top they were you know you, you did feel that there's a goal coming here and that momentum was just, you know, uh, not because of Ryan Taylor as such, but just it changes the way that Argo were yeah. playing and, and, and how their attacking play was. And it just killed that momentum. And, you know, five or ten minutes later, they're 1-0 one nil, one nil down. Uh, and then, should we just touch on the, the disallowed goal, Jack? Um, you know, what did you... Well, we, yeah, we watched this this morning, didn't we, Jack? I don't think it was a disallowed goal at all. He, he had his arm up, admittedly. There was no forward motion looking at it back. I've had the chance to see replays. We, we've spoken about the fact the referees don't have to come out and ever say what they saw at the time, so God knows what the referee saw. There's, there's a debate about whether Bentoso was acting like he was knocked out. I think that's what a lot of people thought at one point. And at one point, he does, he does look up, talk to his man, and then just drops his head down and lays very still for yeah. a period of time. Do I blame him? I think if Argyle player did that, and it stopped Argyle from conceding you'd be happy wouldn't you as an Argyle person but I don't think I that think gets given harsh. as a free kick outside the penalty box does it if, if that's a goal kick and the two guys are going for a header and Ameson wins that header I don't think he concedes a free kick well, that, 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 that was a common thing there's another incident I can't remember where there's a foul some day, there's a foul in the box about, about two minutes later another foul not as niggly happened outside and a free kick was given and that's an age-old argument in football, isn't it? I think I think Stu makes a good point. If that's in the centre circle and, and Will Ameson goes up to win the ball from a from Cheltenham, the Cheltenham keepers cleared the ball. He's kicked it up into the centre circle. Mm. Will Ameson goes up to win that header and wins that header like that. Nothing happens. No. Um, but there does seem to be different rules in the penalty area, doesn't there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I mean, why. To be fair to the referee, he's looking right at it, and Ameson does have his hands on mm. on the back of the cho- mm. on, on the back of Toza. Toza, I do think, makes the most of it and. Mm. Probably wins. wins I'm not being. I'm not keen on being fair to the referee Scott Oldham because I thought he was absolutely hopeless. We can talk. Yeah, about well, that. I'll talk about that later. I mean, let's let's it, just talk about the injuries first. Then this yeah. injury situation yes. because you know Ryan O came down to Plymouth in the summer, mm. brought his um, S&C coach with him. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot was made of the fantastic record mm. or availability of players that he had at Bury, mm. and it's the complete opposite this year, isn't yeah. it? At Argyle. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Lowe's mentioned it several times: ninety-seven seven percent availability rate. 
you know, not going to get anywhere near that this season. Um, they tend to be muscular injuries. You know, I'm no medical expert, Stu. I don't know about you two. There's a lot of medical, there's a lot of muscular injuries. So does that tell us anything about anything? I mean, I could sit here and say, well, are they warming up properly? Are they prepared enough? Are they coming back from previous injuries too soon? But I'm not in the position of expertise to really to say that. But my, my observation would be there's an awful lot of muscular injuries. Um, and that has to be a concern, you know, it's, it's, and it, you know, Byron Moore's had a couple of hamstring injuries now and he's going to be out for a while. You know, Don Telford has had a couple of hamstring injuries, going to be out for a while. Um, Jose Baxter missed out on um, Saturday because of a, a, of a car strain. It's those type of injuries and... Uh, there mu- it, it, surely it must be fixable. There must be something to be done about it. If you've got coming off the back of a 97% record, you get these injuries all the time in football. If you've mm. not got them at Berry, well, why have you not got them in Berry? And why are you suddenly getting loads of them at Argyle? It doesn't, mm. There's got to be a way to stop it or fix it, surely. And the interesting thing is that it's a lot of the new players that have come in that have been picking up the injuries as well. Yeah, well, people that have worked with Ryan Lowe and Co before. Berry, yeah. You know, Moore, Telford. Um, Even Ameson with the injury yeah, he had. which he, he sort of, by the sound of it, he sort of picked up really um, at the back end of last season while he was Barry. So it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It, it must be really difficult for Ryan because I think, as Jack said, he hasn't been able to pick probably his ideal starting mm. lineup. And, and you just get people back and then you lose them again and you can't build up any momentum. And it's, it, it's difficult. I mean, you, you made an interesting point about you know pitches and things like that Stu we were talking before I mean there's got to be some sort of explanation for it yeah I've heard it before that Mm. the soil in the west country is very Mm. clay like Mm. so obviously if players are training on clay like pitches then obviously it sort of saps the energy from their their muscles and as I say it is the new players that are coming in so perhaps Mm. their bodies just not tuned in to you know the the soil of the west country so to speak it sounds crazy. It but sounds crazy, but there's got to be an explanation, hasn't well, there? Possibly. And I don't know. But then, as I said to you, the interesting thing with this theory is that the, the injuries Argyle are picking up are mm. in matches, aren't they? They mm. don't seem to be occurring in, in training. And I think you made the point as well, Chris, that it's often in the first half. First half, well. yeah. I mean, it's not like players are getting to like 70, 75 minutes and then getting fatigue, muscle fatigue um, because perhaps not played too many games. Um, a lot of them are in the first half. I, I think Don Telford's have both been in the first half, Jack, yeah. this season. Yeah. Um, Joel, Joel Grant went off with a hamstring uh, injury in the first half uh, against Colchester early on in the season. I mean, those are three that immediately stick the in my mind. I don't know how you can remember games. It's incredible. <laughs> the human encyclopedia. The thing is, I can't remember anything important. Just ask my wife. Just, what's Chris memory like? Oh, he's absolutely hopeless. He can't remember a thing. But I can remember Joel Grant getting injured in the 34th minute against Colchester. Well, maybe it's because they're trained. I mean, I, again, like Chris, I don't know how the body works. If I, like I said, if I did, I'd be earning a lot more money doing mm. a job like that elsewhere. But mm. maybe it's if they're training on a pitch, maybe it's building up and then it comes to the crescendo in a game maybe that's well, the reason the home park pitch of course is a synthetic surface mm. isn't it invested mm. a lot of money in mm. in the pitch um, and it is probably completely different to the pitches they're training on so mm. maybe we'll have to go to a, well, to a soil expert we'll have to try and find someone well Ryan Lowe said to... he's going to be having a good look at it isn't he because yeah. he's obviously not happy with no. the situation and he, he needs so. to because you, you, this can't carry on you can't keep getting muscular injuries and particularly players coming back and then being injured within a game or two and coming back again that's yeah. 
know. It was very interesting watching Telford when he went off. He went, he stood with Ryan Lowe for some time, mm. and you could. And I was waiting to see what Chris would write after the game because it was in because I was watching it because I know what Ryan Lowe's like with injuries. He likes to talk to the player and he likes to listen to the player. Um, sometimes he overrules them. Sometimes mm. John Lucas overrules it. Um, but he had his arm around Telford, and you could see a discussion going on. And I, I was thinking Taylor was sat back down again. Mm. Is Taylor going to mm. come on? Is Telford going to be fit? And we're all hoping Telford's going to be fit. And all of a sudden. You see Telford walking off to the order of dressing room and you think a decision's been made and you saw Telford's head drop and the frustration you must feel. You know, he's he had to be patient with game time last season, didn't he? Getting a lot of yeah. goals in the Johnston Paint trophy. He finally has a chance to be a first team player this year. And you can see the frustration. But it's it's fascinating to watch Ryan Lowe's dynamic. And it was interesting Ryan Lowe said about that conversation after the game in the press. Because conference. it was quite a noticeable amount of time. And he said, you know, I, I wanted to get some answers from Dom and he couldn't really give me an yeah. answer. And so Ryan Lowe is very, you know, Safety, you know, safety first when it comes to injuries. If if the if the unless he's convinced that the player's fit enough to go back on, he's he's not going to let him carry on playing. And and that's what he's done done with Dom Telford. And that's why Dom Telford almost like walked off with the shirt over his head as he went back to the dressing room. He was so disappointed. You know, he didn't stay on the on the, yeah. the bench or anything like that. You know, he just made a made a, a sad way back to the dressing room. And I I understand his frustration. He signed for Argyle late in pre or. After the start of pre-season, he got a, a, an injury which meant he missed most of pre-season. Then he gets in the team and looks sharp and then pulls a hamstring when he's running clear on goal in the game against Walsall. Mm. I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? And then, I don't know, remember who it was against. He works, I remember he works his way back in again and then yeah. you know, he's got that's another him. So effective, that, effectively, he's had like three injuries and we're on, what, September the 23rd today? And that's the sad yeah. thing. He's looked so lively before getting those injuries. He, he looks like he's creating chances. And two of them have been in front of the home fans, haven't mm. they? Mm. And that must be a disappointment as well. And it's a good audience there. They're really starting to cheer you on because you, you've made a good run on, on, on Saturday. You know, had that turn and chance. Mm. And, you know, the crowd are on your side. And it, I, I can't imagine what that must feel like, that disappointment mm. for, you know, a, a second or third time, especially in front of the home fans. Who well, I, think really... you, I think you hit the nail on the head as well, Jack, and the fact that he was in and out of the team at Berry last season because of Nicky Maynard, I, mm. I, I guess, more than anything else. So he's come to Argyle, he probably would be the main striker. He probably would be, yeah. And it's a real opportunity for, for mm. him because he's obviously a player that's, you know, still young. He's not yeah. really had a, a good run of games in any, no. any particular team. No. Managers always say about relationships, you know, if you have two strikers, it's about developing yeah, the relationship. Yeah. centre-backs, it's about them developing the relationship. And that's what Argyle have struggled because they've not had any position that's been sort of solid, really. There's, even in midfield, there's been a mix of players coming in and out and when has there been time to, for people to develop relationships the, in the match experience? It's just a revolving door. I mean, you've got about five or six strikers and they've pretty much all played as a, as a combination with one or the other during the first 10 league games of the season. It's just constantly changing. and You've got to learn each other's runs and stuff, yeah. haven't you? Partners, strikers are partners, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a question from... Well, yeah, a, a comment really from Richard Vaughan. Mm. Uh, some are happy to say... It may take a season or more. I don't agree. Is if you fail to, uh, uh, sorry, if you fail in this league, you won't hold on to any of the best players. So we'll effectively have to start again the following season. Would you agree? There's some truth in that. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we've seen it with Argyle in League One. That um, you know, if you don't, if you do reasonably well, but you don't get promoted or don't achieve the ultimate success, then you are going to have your best players picked away from you. So. If Argyle are not promoted this season, which sitting here right at the moment, you know, it's going to be a tall order for them to be promoted from the position they're in now. Um, there's every chance that the two or three best players that they've got could get picked by higher clubs. 
and uh, and then I don't know if you'd start again completely, but you'd you'd probably have to change your squad again. Well, is that is that not probably the case for for most teams in the lower divisions? Well, the the thing Argyle have in their advantage is the players that Ryan Lowe has bought in are going to be under contract, aren't mm-hmm. they? So if they do go, yeah, Argyle, yeah, they'll mm-hmm. be commanding a, a fairly hefty fee. So. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'm not sure I'd quite agree with Richard. I think there's going to be a sort of two-year project that Ryan... Well, I think the plan is to get out of League 2 as quickly as possible. Oh, but yeah. if it did mean Argyle go, you know, don't go up this year, looking at next season, I, I certainly think he'll have the squad to... Well, it might be a bit like what Dustin had to do with Cheltenham. You know, he, he, last season, he struggled to keep them up after taking over in September. It took him two transfer windows to get the team flying and now up into a, in what looked a very attractive op- you know, opponent. And... I think maybe next summer you might see some of the remaining Adams players leave, possibly, especially in defence. Yep. At the moment, I kind of see Wooten and Canavan staying next season. Tafari Moore, Ashley Smith-Brown, who's out on loan. Yeah. Will any of them still be here next year? Probably not. And then you look at Maynard. You, you, no, Maynard, that's what you're thinking. <laughs> Mayer, who's probably under contract for another year, but he's not getting any younger. Will he want to stay in League 2 for two years when everyone tells him and everyone says he should be playing in League 1 at least? Who, who knows? And it depends where I've got finished. If they finish 14th, are players that are really ambitious going to want to stay yeah. at a club like that? If you finish fourth and miss out in the playoff final, maybe. But I'm still under no illusions. Even with the start we've had, it will be a disappointment with this team, with the players, with some of them, to, to not be battling for promotion. I still think that Ryan Lowe didn't come here to battle for 14th place. Simon Hallett doesn't want Argyle to stay in League 2. Regardless of how the next few months go, anything other than pushing for promotion still... Because it's been seen as a disappointment in my eyes this season. Yeah, I think what we're seeing though is it's it's going to take more yeah. than maybe one transfer window to to for Ryan Lowe to get the players that can suit his style of play. Because if he's not prepared to change his style of play, and he keeps saying he's he's not going, he's very consistent. This this is the way we're going to play. I just don't think that squad, although it's a talented, hasn't proven to us yet that they can play the way he wants them to. I don't think anyone disputes that some some very good players in that squad at League Two level. There are some very good players, um, but can he mould them into a team, an effective team that can play the way he wants? Because if he's not prepared to try a different approach, if things don't improve, then he's going to have to get different players in. I think the thing is we are ten games in, but mm. the defence, the three man defence, which I think now is possibly the strongest defence, mm. are fairly new together. Mm. I almost feel like it's a bit of a false start. We've not you not had the strikers building a partnership. Mm. The three defenders have only just started playing together. So maybe in two maybe it's a bit unfair to know whether mm. they'll click into place yet because they've not the team that's currently playing hasn't had a chance to really sort of develop yet. So maybe that's it. The other question I would have is yeah, there's another transfer window coming up in Christmas, but how in January, but how many of those players? There's a big squad at the moment. The, the likes of Tafari Moore, Canavan, if they've not been playing well, who's going to want them? Are they going to want to drop down to the National League? Probably not. Are other teams in the league going to want them? They're not going to, be able to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different uh, facets to, to what's going to happen, isn't yeah. there? It's a good point you made about Cheltenham and Michael Duff that he, it took him most of the last season to sort of um, get the Cheltenham the, playing the way mm. he wanted, and that he had a couple of transfer windows to get people in talking to a couple of the guys that came down from Cheltenham and covered them, they said that their form this season started at the back end of last season. They're not totally surprised that they've started. And I think they're surprised they're doing quite as well as they are. But they could see signs towards the end of last season that things were beginning to fall into place. Now, I can see Argyle sort of during the course of the season, things will sort of start to sort of take shape. I wonder whether they'll take shape quick enough for a real push this season. 
Uh, and it does feel a little bit like the Paul Sturrock first season uh, all those years ago where you know, he brought a lot of players in, he tinkered around, uh, they ended up sort of round about mid-table-ish. But when they started the following season, they really kicked on and went. Now, I hope Argyle go up this season, you know, and hope they, you know, this, they, I'm not ruling it out, I'm, but with my sensible head, head on, I, I think even after 10 league games, there's going to have to be quite a, 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 quite a big improvement, isn't there? You know, they're on 12 points from 10 games. They're going to need to to pick up a bit more than that, aren't they? Yeah, but they're creating the chance. I, I, mm. I'm trying not to let the optimism. You, you are right. It's a, it's a big project, but I, I, I've, I, I think I'm seeing enough in games where mm. I think it can happen. Like you said, the amount of chances they're creating at some point. I mean, they've been brought to this club for a reason, and I think if they can stay fit, which is a big question. Once you get maybe the likes of Moore, Grant, and Telford all playing decent minutes, I think because you know before Moore's injury, he had a couple mm. of games where he got a few goals and he was just starting to get sort of get somewhere and he got another injury Telford has looked at the two times he's got injured he was looking promising and like he would go on to get a goal in that game whether he would have done who knows I the just, momentum every time he feels a little bit of momentum just yeah, you know in a game or you know even at Crawley last week you know mm. they, they played really well they're 1-0 down they've responded well to that conceding a poor goal by playing really well they've got themselves 2-1 up they're playing some good football. You think, okay, this is going to be a good away result. They're finally going to win a game in September. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't won a game in September since 2016, for goodness <laughs> sake. I mean, what's, what's all that about? Why have a few weeks off and save your holiday <laughs> in September? Yeah. Stu, I'll just go put a holiday request in for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be on the September. Um, uh, they just they say, okay, yeah, go right, and win the game against it, Crawley, yeah. and then they can see the penalty completely out of the blue. They draw the game 2-2, and you come away from Crawley thinking, well, I felt like a defeat. And then, you know, Tom Telford starts the game really well. They've got a bit of momentum going. OK, he's only nil-nil, but then he goes off and then, bang, momentum gone. It just feels like the, the sort of handbrake keeps getting put on the Argyle season. i just go back to what you said a minute ago as well, Chris, about um, Michael Duff being at Cheltenham for a while and, you know, taking a little bit of time before they started to mm. really pick up in terms of results. You look at all the teams at the top of League Two, they've all been like that. You know, mm. Exeter with Matt Taylor, mm. Crew with David Artell, yeah. Newport with Michael Flynn, yeah. Swindon. They've all been there for a bit, haven't exactly. they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so might, you know, might just mm. have to be a bit of patience. I yeah, I, 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 I think there is definitely going to need to be patience. Yeah. The, big, the big difference is, though, between the Michael Duff situation and Ryan Lowe's. You know, Ryan Lowe's come in saying all the right things. You know, Michael Duff came in knowing he was doing, up against a mm. firefighter in that September when he first came mm. in. Whereas Ryan has come in and been quite open about the fact, don't we, we are going to get this right, we're not going to lose many games yeah. at home. And he's saying all the right things, the things mm. to you know, G, G the fans up, but if you G the fans up and there's the expectation from having been relegated to go up again, you're going to sense a disappointment more if you're not up there more than what Cheltenham did under Duff when he yeah. first arrived, if that makes sense. So it's, it's that battle between expectation and, and realism, isn't it? And I think a club of Argyle's size in League 2, you're always going to have that because they are one of the biggest sides as of Bradford in League 2. Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. Uh, chaps, something I want to I chat to you both about because I've seen it for years. I'm sure you guys have as well. And that's the standard of refereeing in League Two. Now, by all accounts, Scott Oldham, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, but Scott Oldham was atrocious. It was not good. I, I can't remember, Chris will remember because Human Encyclopedia. <laughs> the, referee, the, the referee we had a few couple of home games was, was I thought was atrocious. Like, there was a, a new guy, so you try not to be too harsh. And then Scott Oldham, he's given him a run for his money in this in this game. I thought he was an absolutely awful. The amount of 
niggling kicks that went on, time wasting, went, which goes goes on. The fact when there was an injury didn't make them go off at the nearest point, which apparently you know you're supposed to do now, and the fans are going up on his back. He he ruled out the goal, which I'm not I'm not sure I agree with. I think nearly every decision he made in that game was poor. I I think he was awful, and so after two years in League One, you sort of there's a reference not perfect in League One. Just ask Darren Ferguson when he was at Doncaster, but. <laughs> You know, League Two, it seems to have been really atrocious this year. And I, I, I don't know if I'm being carried away. Do you agree, Chris? What, what do you think of this? Well, Scott, Scott Oldham has refereed lots of games in League One as well. Mm. So um, it's not just like he referees in League, League Two all the time. Um, standard, I think there's been some, some, a couple of decent referees this season and, you know, some poor ones. I think the, the standard is very mixed. That's the thing, you remember the bad ones, don't you? You, you do, you do. Yeah. I mean, The I, best ones are the ones you don't notice at yeah. all, aren't they? I'm always very wary of, of criticising referees too much when I write copy and stuff like that, because particularly after a defeat, because you know you don't want people to think, oh, they're just blaming the referee yeah. um, for a defeat. Mm. And I tried to stress in the in the the copy that I wrote over the weekend that Argyle were the ones to blame for their defeat because of their poor finishing and their poor defending, but that still doesn't prevent you from making a very valid point. I feel that he did not have any control of that game. He didn't apply the rules of the game properly, uh, the players leaving the pitch, etc., and things like that, like you mentioned, um, Jack. And I, I thought the whole sort of Danny Mayer situation was very interesting um, because you noticed it against Port Vale where they kicked him a lot and didn't really notice it against Crawley, but you know everyone could see it on Saturday. It was targeted, cynical fouling. It was one player, then another, so they didn't get into serious trouble with the referee. The referee has to be aware of how teams are operating. And uh, he didn't issue enough yellow cards. Um, he should have booked Charlie Raglan for a tackle on, on Danny Meyer, which was ridiculous. And then Charlie Raglan, because he's not booked then, can go and make cynical fouls later in the game because he's not on the yellow card he should have been in in the first place. Um, I think he was he was really really poor. One of the worst referees I've seen for quite some time, and I know that it can be sounded sour grapes and this that and the other. So I I stress again that Argyle had a lot of reasons to blame themselves for that defeat. Well, so it wasn't Scotland and Mark, not marking. Uh, absolutely, Barney, was it? But you you can still say that the referees had a shocker yeah. and hasn't done his job properly. And um, it was fascinating that Ryan Lowe said that he'd spoken to him before the game and asked him about protecting Danny Mayer. Now, is that trying to influence the referee? I don't know. I don't know how other people would feel about that. Do you feel, do, I mean, Stu, what do you think? Is that, if you're a referee, if you've seen your, your star player almost kicked off the park at Port Vale the previous Saturday and then you go up to a referee and ask, is, is, is he allowed to say to the referee in a polite, kind way, by the way, ref, can you uh, keep an eye on my player well, it, today? It'd be interesting to know what the referee's response to yeah. Ryan Lowe would have been. Mm. But um, I can understand Ryan Lowe doing it, especially mm. his, when you should say referee, a poor referee. Should he, managers he, be allowed to do that? See, I don't think so. I, I was surprised when, you, when I said it was before the game. I mm. get to speak to them afterwards. You're not, because the game previously to that, at Port Vale, yes, Danny Mayer might have been getting kicked left, right and centre, but that was a different referee. I don't know if it's right... No, he should be watching to make sure none of the players are getting kicked cynically. That's his job, is to manage it's, the game, referee the game. I, I, I think there's no doubt Ryan Lowe's done it to try and gain a psychological advantage. But to me, it's no different, really, than 
players, to, you know, an attacking player at a corner, mm. being hauled all over the place, saying to the referee, ref, watch him, because mm. he's all over me. Yeah. And then next time the referee is, you know, subconsciously, it's in his head, but and there's he, a difference, he might be looking out for, for it. For me, there's a difference between a player doing that on the pitch and a manager going to speak to a referee before a game. I think that's... that's the, there is a difference to that. I mean, I'm not saying that Ryan Lowe, you know, he might have well had a fair point, but I was surprised by it. I d- because, as I've said, he should be doing that for every player. And yes, Danny Mayer should be kicked more, but the referee's got eyes. He will see if that's happening and mm. should respond appropriately. So I get why he's done it, but I did find it strange. I, I would be frustrated if I was Ryan Lowe about the way that teams are adopting with Danny Mayer. I, perhaps that's not surprising. He's a good player and... and but he is going to need some protection from referees because he got kicked from pillar to post in that first half. Mm. And for, for Cheltenham to have won the yellow card, I think it was at half-time, was just absolutely laughable. And, how, and this is the frustrating thing because we've got no idea if Scott Oldham will be censured in any way, shape or form or even be talked to by the refereeing football authorities about his performance. You know, we can sit here and debate... Um, players and this that and the other and ask the manager about players but we've got no one to ask about in authority do you think that referee had a good game you know or or is a referee's assessor and they're thinking oh he actually had quite a good game we don't know do we no I think that I think it's across the board Premier League all the way down there's a real issue with officiating right now and I don't think VAR's helping either no I just, so, I just, you know, I, you know, I try to, you know, be balanced. Uh, so I try not to criticise referees too much. I think he was really poor. In, the, you the, know, the, borderline. He was really poor. But do I have I got complete faith that the referees assessor would have written in his report? Yeah, really poor. No, it, it wouldn't surprise me if at all if the referees assessor saw a completely different game to the rest yeah. of us and thought he'd, he'd, he'd done all right. I, I can't see how he could have done, but... But that's the thing. Everyone has off, off days. You know, football players, mm. managers, journalists, mm. every, you know, everyone. Yeah. So, you know, referees are going to have bad games at times. So the frustrating thing is, even afterwards, and I'm talking maybe a couple of days after, I think it would be good if someone could go to somebody to say, why, why, why didn't you book people Danny Mayer? What was your logic behind it? So you yeah. understand their thinking. And he might come out and say something and you think, okay, fair enough. But there is no process to do that. And, I'm, and we've spoken about this in the podcast before, haven't we? I'm not saying shove referees in front of TV cameras and have everyone going for them all the time. Not that at all. But there should be a way to get some quotes from a referee to explain decisions at times. I'm not saying all the time, every turn down penalty, every offside. But on the odd occasion, I don't think there's anything wrong with media... Mm. asking for these sort of answers yeah they're the one area of, of football that are unaccountable really you know yeah. you don't really hear mm. anything from them yeah but and you don't and you don't know if anything's done mm. you know if they've had a really poor game and they haven't applied the rules properly well in our opinion they haven't done yeah. you've got no way of finding out if the authorities <coughs> think they have or they haven't because that's the thing I didn't understand about this not sending people off to the closest touchline because the players were undoubtedly shouting about it but when that happened two or three times a game later he still wasn't doing it and why wasn't there something in his head like, oh yeah, that's the rule. He must have known it, mm. but wasn't enforcing it. And yeah. you, you, you get irritated by that, but Cheltenham were doing the gamesmanship. You yeah. know? And if your team are doing it, then it's fine, isn't it? So you, you can't bleed too much about gamesmanship because most teams, you know, we talked about Ben Tozer in the first part of the, that was gamesmanship. There was nothing wrong with him. Mm. But Argyle were building up a bit of pressure. The crowd were up in arms. 
and he laid on the ground for a minute just so everything quieted down. There was nothing wrong with it. So the only advantage to a bad referee is at least it makes the atmosphere quite good. It was, <laughs> yeah. when, the fan, when the fans all get going, it, it was quite enjoyable. It, but. it definitely felt like the pantomime and the, yeah. uh, the, the, the villain, yeah. Well, talking of atmospheres, I'm sure there'll be a, a good atmosphere at the end of October when I'll go head up to Exeter. Mm. Um, I just want to ask you guys about Ryan Lowe. He, mm. he spoke to, um, I think it was at the Green Taverners, wasn't it, on yep. sometime last week. Mm. And he was asked about Exeter. Um, basically, his reply, I don't have a bleep machine, so... Mm. Uh, yeah. He, he didn't, he, he wasn't really yeah. too fussed, was not he? too bothered about oh. Exeter, he said. Um <laughs> Jack, I'll ask you, because you're, you're a big Argyle fan, is Exeter's situation and the fact that they're top of the table and, and doing as well as they are, is, is it a galling thing for you as an Argyle fan? And is it helping Ryan... Well, it's obviously not helping Ryan Lowe at all, is it? No, it's not. I, I, I love to hate Exeter. I think there's nothing better in football having a close rivalry. I wouldn't want to be... like you know We used to work with David Monday, who supports Reading, and he openly says, we don't have a big rival... It's a you know it's a bit bland and I I do love the Devon derbies and I know you two will speak in a minute about why you don't like <laughs> don't like them but I do love them and yeah if Argo don't go up and Exeter go up then that will wind me up that will really annoy me but at the moment it's it's early days and I hope Exeter fall down the league um, but I enjoy watching it I don't like seeing Exeter scoring late goals every single week because I keep thinking they've lost and they somehow draw. <laughs> And I make my feelings very clear to people about that. Um, but I can't wait for October. I, I'm excited. Hopefully, at, well, I should say five o'clock. Hopefully at three o'clock when the game's over, I'll still be happy. Um, at the moment, I'm dreading the fixture. But no, I think rivalry is, is good. In terms of should Ryan Lowe care about it, I get why he said it. You know, a manager shouldn't care too much about any other team, really. He's got his job to do, focus on your own team. He got a good response from the Argyle crowd. You say things to get the, the room going. Um yeah, it, it's for the Argyle fans, you know. That, mm. as you're totally right, Jake. You love to hate your rival, don't you? Yeah, and anyone, any fan that says they don't <clears throat> is, and don't get me wrong, people can't take it too far. Like I enjoy rivalry on the pitch, and that is it. You know, I don't have any nothing against Exeter fans. In fact, I think any football fan that supports their local team and doesn't just support Manchester United, Liverpool deserves praise, especially when they've got a history of being in the lower leagues, like Argyle do, like Exeter, Exeter do. So I don't take any further than that. But any fan that says they don't enjoy it, I've, well, there's something wrong with them in my view. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the comment Ryan Lowe made last week was in front of a load of Argyle fans. You know, you, you're going to speak to the audience, aren't you? you know, um, so we did ask him uh, after the game on Saturday, um, you know, said to him that the fans were getting a bit frustrated and he said, yeah, I understand that. And uh, he made the point that with Exeter doing well, um, you know, that probably didn't help, you know, because fans are sort of want to be up where Exeter are. Um, but uh, the, the question, I suppose, isn't helping him. It's probably not helping him in the fact that people are going to be saying to when they see him in the street, you know, come on, we need you to be doing better because that lot up the road are, are top of the table and it's, we're not. It's... it's, it's it's kind of like when Jose Mourinho went to Man United and he had the whole Pep Guardiola Man City thing going on. I like comparing. I like Argyle being compared to Man United and Man City, but <laughs> well, it's the second most uh, intense well, yes. rivalry, apparently. Apparently, so, yes, yes. More so than the Manchester derby. Obviously, well, that was. I would have thought that was obvious to anyone. Then the problem, the problem is the world we live in. People can't just say stuff, and that you say it to that room. The room heard it. The room mm. might say the people that were there mm. might say something else. It's all film now. It goes yeah. on social media. Mm. Extra fans get hold of it, and mm. you know what's like on social media. All fans can take things too far on social mm. media. He said it to the room. He got the response he wanted. Mm. I'm more disappointed that Argo aren't winning games more than the fact that Exeter are. If Argo can do what they should do or should be able to do, they would be up there with Exeter. It's only ten games in. 
if it's still this way in, in May, I'll be I'll be much much angrier. So come and ask me again. <laughs> ask me yeah. again. Then. Well, I certainly there's an offer for you. Yeah, it certainly added a little bit mm. of spice to the derby if, yeah. uh, for October. That's for sure. Uh, let's get back to Argyle then oh. and their league four. Mansfield on Saturday. Now you look at the league table, and I, I can't believe where Mansfield are. You know, I, mind you, I don't think they should have sacked Flickcroft. I thought that was a crazy decision. Oh. Probably some reason as to why they are where they are. Oh. Play ten, one two, drawn four, lost four already yeah. this season, which yeah. is, uh, as I say, surprising. When you look at the likes of yeah. Jacob Mellis, Nicky Maynard, C.J. Hamilton, Danny Rose, it's not going to be easy for Argyle, is it, on Saturday? It's. It's baffling, isn't it? You know, I think most people had Mansfield as one of the one of the top teams for this season, and along with Argyle, and, 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 and Salford and Scunthorpe, and yeah. still still early days. But yeah, that's a surprising record, isn't it? If you'd said to most people that Mansfield would only win two of their first ten games, I think most people would be surprised. It, it, you would expect a response from them at some point. You'd expect them to improve, but I'd say the same thing about Argyle. Mm. You know, I would expect them to improve. You know, I hope they do. I'm expecting them to approve. Do I, do I 100% think they will do? Well, not yet. I'd like a bit more evidence from them to prove that they can defend crosses and they can score more goals. But um, that's two teams, even in September, that are really looking for a, for a good win, a good solid win that might just kickstart their yeah. season. Both teams. And, uh, uh, it, yeah, it'd be a, an interesting game. I hesitate to, you know, you feel like oh, it'll be a tough game. They all are. They all yeah. are, aren't they? Yeah. You know, but let's be honest. How how many games do you see in League Two? And we've all seen lots of League Two football. Probably far too much League Two football for our liking, haven't we? But <laughs> Definitely. How many easy games do you see in League Two? You know, where you stroll off at the end and think, "Oh, that's a piece of cake." It doesn't happen, does no. it? No. It's a tough league. You, what you get, you have to earn. It's a tough league with tough players. Mm. So yeah, a a. a a really interesting game I think that that's two teams with some talented players that haven't got the results that people are expecting from them and I think whoever wins that game that that could be they could really use that as a as a springboard to, to, to go on and the opposite effect for whoever loses that game probably yeah you know, it's Oh, I just hope Maynard doesn't get the 90th minute winner that would be a big kick in the teeth wouldn't it yeah well I mean in hindsight you know you look at someone like Nicky Maynard and you think you know perhaps if he had gone to Argyle mm. well, yeah, it would have made such a massive difference he could be the missing piece at the moment but you know is this, is this the last game of September coming up mm-hmm. yeah. thank God for that <laughs> yeah that is we'll just touch on it before we finish but that is an incredible stat that Argyle since 2016 Argyle have played 16 league games in the league and they've won four, uh, drawn four. That was so much thinking. Drawn four and lost twelve. I mean, uh, uh, that's an incredible stat. Yeah. Isn't it? They've not won a league game since twenty sixteen, and that league game was a game where Orient had two players sent off in the first fourteen minutes. <laughs> Need more red cards. <laughs> so um, anyway, so we, we will be glad. Hopefully, Argyle can get rid of that horrible stat. Otherwise. Next year, in 2020, year, as well yeah. as uh, applying for me to have the whole of September off on holidays, <laughs> due, we'll be recycling this fact about Argyle not having won a September game since 2016. Yeah, absolutely. But, but in all seriousness, it's a, it's a, I think it is, you can already say it's a big game. I think psycholog- game. psychologically, a yeah. very big game. I think it's got the potential to be a really good football game as well, actually. Cause, it should be. As we say, you know, speak, speak to some of the Mansfield players there. Yeah. Yeah. Argyle have got their fair play of fair quota of uh, good football. Well, there's going to be well, some decent so. players on that pitch, so yeah, yeah you'd expect so. Absolutely. Right, well, Chris, safe journey on Saturday. Thank and we'll, you, um, Jack, thanks for joining us on the, on the podcast. Always a pleasure to have your company. <laughs> we'll be back again with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.